Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Oakland Coliseum. Yes, they're still playing games there. It's the Cleveland Guardians 9, the Oakland Athletics 8. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played, and the losing streak is over. That's right. The Guardians have finally won a baseball game again. It is possible. Uh, not everything went right. Absolutely not everything went right in this one. A Savali still had his struggles. Vermeil Reyes still had his struggles. Over five with four more strikeouts. But the Guardians get the win. Some big innings here. Um, some big innings where they put up some crooked numbers. They actually put up the crooked number four twice in this game. In the third inning and in the seventh inning, four run rallies. Uh, are able to take it to the Oakland Athletics. So let's get into the storylines of this game because this was a fun one. This was a baseball game. Man, they went back and forth on this one. The lead changes, the swings, the momentum swings. There was a lot going on in this game. And I thought the big storyline, at least for the Guardians, I mean, this would be an hour-long podcast if we talk about everything the A's did and all their storylines in this game. But the big storyline for the Guardians is bringing the thunder, the home runs, the extra base hits, three home runs on the game, plus add in five doubles on the game, seriously unloading on that athletics pitching. And we kick it off right in the first inning after the first two hitters go down. Once again, Jose Ramirez is coming up with the bases empty. Not only do they go down, they struck out. They're facing Frankie Montas, who was a big name talked about this offseason. He was the one athletics pitcher that didn't get traded. The one they held on to. The one they were talking about going all over the place. I think Chicago White Sox were in on that conversation. Um, it's a name that... Uh, it seems like Hamilton loves saying the name Frankie Montas. Uh, catching a little bit of the highlights from him. It's just he loves saying that name. And uh, Montas does not have his best day. He goes five innings, gives up five hits, five runs, four walks, six strikeouts, and two home runs given up by him. Only six hard hit balls, but enough, right, at the right moment for some of those hard hit balls. So after he strikes out the first two batters to start the game, and you think maybe this guy is locked in, he's got to face Jose Ramirez. Now, we love looking at, at least I love looking at, the uh, the pitch chart, the at-bat, right? Looking at the at-bat, seeing what happened here. What was Montaz working Jose Ramirez, and how did Jose Ramirez turn on this ball uh, and crush a home run out to right field? Well, I'll tell you, it's because he showed him the pitch, and he came right back with it. That's what happens in this at-bat. Montaz starts him with his hard sinker two-seamer down and away. Gets it for a called strike, 95.3. Really attacking the strike zone with it. Tries to throw him a slider, similar location, but misses down out of the strike zone for ball one, and then comes back in basically the same spot with that sinker, moves it a little more middle of the plate, but this thing is just above the knees, and Jose Ramirez absolutely cranks it. 105.7 mile per hour exit velocity, 25 degree launch angle, 411 feet out to right field. So shows him the pitch. Goes away, comes right back to the same spot, and Jose is ready for it. I, I'm guessing that's what led to that home run. Either way, Jose was ready for some hard stuff down the middle of the plate, down in the zone, 
and took advantage of it. So, Jose Ramirez, you're thinking, man, this guy's going to have to do it all by himself again tonight. Well, that is not the case because in the third inning against Montas again, the Guardians load things up. If we go back over to the scoreboard, let's see what set this up. You got Miles Straw leading things off with a single, so uh, and then Owen Miller follows that up with a walk. So those two guys get a little bit of revenge from their first at-bat, right? He strikes them out in their first at-bat. This time, they're a little bit more prepared for him. Straw with the single, Owen Miller with the walk, Jose Ramirez would walk, and Josh Naylor would be really aggressive um, and end up flying out in this at-bat. If we go to that matchup here, I think it was a pretty early, yeah, first pitch swinging. It is a fastball right down the middle, so I can't blame Naylor for that, but it is the bases loaded. He just did walk two guys. So maybe a little bit aggressive here from Josh Naylor. But again, it's right down the middle. It's a fastball down the middle. He ends up flying out to left field. Nobody can advance. Um, Then Fermil Reyes would come up. And Fermil Reyes, he's just a strikeout machine at this point. Uh, Lays off a slider way away for ball one. A four-seam fastball up that he foul tips. That would have been ball two. Gets a splitter in the zone that he fouls off. And then a fastball that just blows right by him up and away at 96.5 miles per hour. Reyes, with the bases loaded, you know he wanted to deliver in that situation. And he strikes out again. So now we're down to two outs. And that brings up Andres Jimenez. And this turns into a seven-pitch at-bat. He actually falls way behind. Misses with a splitter. Misses low with a fastball. Gets him to swing through a fastball up in the zone, which actually would have been ball three. Misses with a fastball away. Now he just gets into four-seam fastballs over and over and over again. The first pitch was a splitter. Everything else in this at-bat is a four-seam fastball. Now, Andres Jimenez isn't the greatest, you know, fastball hitter of all time. You know, you probably wouldn't take this approach to Jose Ramirez. But if you throw a guy six four-seam fastballs in a row, eventually he's going to time it up. So he misses away. He's in a 3-1 count. He's behind. He throws one more in the zone at the belt that he gets for a called strike. Uh, he throws another one a little bit higher, outer half of the outer third of the plate that he fouls off. Comes back at the exact same height, this time bringing it just inside of the middle of the plate, and he cranks it for a grand slam, 106.7 miles per hour, 35 degree launch angle, 401 feet to right center field. A grand slam that puts the Guardians up 5-4. to four. They had fallen into a hole, right? Gave up four runs in that first inning. Well, now they are back in this game. And you thought the inning was going to die. You thought they were going to strand the bases loaded, nobody out. And instead, Andres Jimenez comes up with the big hit. Why did he throw him six forcing fastballs in a row? Now, looking at uh, his savant page, Andres Jimenez, he's only hitting 167 against fastballs. Last year, he only hit 231 uh, and slugged 380. This year, he's only slugging 278 off of four-seam fastballs. So I guess, you know, the scouting report would tell you that, yeah, you challenge this guy with fastballs. He had a 197 expected weighted on base percentage against fastballs uh, this year. Uh, last year, they put him away with fastballs at 22.1% of the time. This year, it's less. It's only 14.3. So he is not getting put away by fastballs as much as he did last year. 
Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I could tell you here. Maybe the scouting report, maybe Montas looked at the scouting report and thought this guy cannot handle fastballs. Uh, he's got three hits off fastballs this season. I don't know if this is no, this clearly isn't updated uh, from yesterday because there's no home run here. He's got a grand slam now off a of fastball. So this was before the game yesterday. He only had three hits off fastballs, seven hits off of breaking balls. So those were booing his average. He's hitting 438 off of breaking balls and 400 off of changeups. So yeah, I could see why you would attack a guy with fastballs. A 167 batting average versus a 400 plus batting average on the off-speed stuff and the breaking stuff. So that's why Montas challenges him with fastballs, and he pays. So now the Guardians have the lead. And after giving the lead back again, they would bring the Thunder, this time against the bullpen. We're in the seventh inning now, and Straw kicks things off with a double into right center field. Christian Pache cuts it off, but Straw flies into second, no problem. That's a fastball right down the middle. Owen Miller would come up after him and add his own double. This one was a long at-bat. He ends up finally getting, where was the slider located? On the outer edge of the plate, on the black, right at the belt. And he gets the bat around and flares it out into left field. It was such a bloop shot that Strzok can't really go. He can't really run. He's got to see if Pinder is going to run this down in left field. It's only a 72-mile-per-hour exit velocity with a 43-degree launch angle. So it's basically a pop-up down the left field line. Eventually, it does fall. Straw gets to third. Owen Miller running on the crack of the bat. He doesn't have to wait for anybody. He gets into second with a double. So it's a weird situation. I had to go back and find the replay on this because I'm like, how does he hit a double? And Miles Straw moves up one base. Like, that didn't make much sense. Well, when you see it and you see the pop-up that he hits the left field, you understand why Straw can't go any further. So now you got second and third. Nobody out. Jose Ramirez up. And he cranks one down the right field line into the corner. I'm shocked they attacked the zone as much as they did. They threw him a lot of change-ups in this at bat. Finally, it's a slider right down the pipe at the thighs. He hits at 101 mile per hour exit velocity into that right field corner and brings in both runs the score. It brings the Guardians close, but doesn't give them the lead yet. Maybe because they thought they had an 8-5 to lead that they could have pitched to Jose Ramirez. If that same situation comes up, I wouldn't be surprised with that first base open if they're pitching around Jose Ramirez. It wouldn't have mattered, though, because Josh Naylor would come up next, again with a base open, and for you know, Fermil Reyes on deck, they attack Josh Naylor down and in, throw him some forcing fastballs, throw him some changeups. Finally, it's a changeup that sneaks out back over the middle of the plate. I would say of all the pitches that he threw here, this one is has crept out the furthest out over the plate so he could extend his arms. And he absolutely turns on this changeup, 98.8 mile per hour exit velocity, 26 degree launch angle, 393 out to right center field for the go-ahead two-run home run to give the Guardians the lead. So Domingo Acevedo was trying to pound him inside, was trying to keep things inside. And everything starts to leak back out over the plate. And eventually he leaks out a little bit too much over the plate. And Naylor makes him pay. So whether they walked Ramirez or not, that wouldn't have helped. Because Naylor was ready with the backup, with the protection in the lineup today. And delivers this big home run. So that is the huge storyline from the Guardians. That's how they score their nine runs. That's how they take it to Oakland pitching. 
Uh, man, they needed a breakout game like this. They absolutely needed it. Straw was fantastic at the top after striking out in his first at-bat. Him and Owen Miller striking out in their first at-bats. They really deliver here. Straw is three for five with two doubles, two runs scored. Owen Miller is one, he's one for three. He adds a walk with a double and two runs scored. Uh, Oscar Mercado would come in as a defensive replacement in right field. Eventually, Josh Naylor would move to first. And instead of moving Owen Miller over to second, they leave Ernie Clement in the game for defense at second. Now, it's an interesting situation because Oscar Mercado does come up late in this game with a chance to add some insurance runs, and he can't get the job done. So that would have been Owen Miller's at bat. So you just took the bat out of the hand of the guy hitting 404 on the season. Interesting choice, but but the flip side of that is Ernie Clement does make a huge play in the ninth inning uh, with the infield pulled in and that runner at third. He's able to snag one and uh, hold that runner at third base. So even though you don't get the offense from Owen Miller, you did make the right call, I guess, defensively keeping Ernie Clement in the game at second base. It was an interesting choice that Francona had to make, and he chose defense uh, over offense at that point. Um, Jose Ramirez goes two for three on the day, plus he had uh, two walks. So he's on base four times on the day. He had the double and the home run, three RBIs for him, three runs scored on top of that. Naylor with two hits, including the home run, two RBIs on the day. Uh, for Mio Reyes, like I said, oof, 0 for 5. That's a big 0 for right in the middle of the lineup. This guy needs a day off. Just give him a day off, please. Andres Jimenez then finishes the offense 3 for 4 on the day with a double, a single, and a home run, and a grand slam. Just missing the triple short of the cycle. Four RBIs come on that grand slam, and the run scored obviously comes on that grand slam because the bottom of the lineup didn't do anything to protect him. Clement Palacios does have two walks, but he also goes over two, and Austin Hedges over four, along with Ernie Clement over four. So the offense kind of ends at Andres Jimenez. It was a very top-heavy day for the Guardians' offense. I mean. Great job. Andres Jimenez has been coming up huge. Three hard-hit balls on the day, including the Grand Slam. 349 batting average, 961 OPS. Two extra base hits in this game. That's fantastic from Andres Jimenez. I'm telling you, man, he is... He for As far as I'm concerned, he should be the everyday shortstop at this point. I mean, Ahmed Rosario is not showing you much offensively. And Andres Jimenez is. He's hitting and he plays fantastic defense. I'm sold on Andres Jimenez running with the shortstop position for a little bit. I know there's people out there that want to see Gabriel Arias come up and get that spot. Uh, yeah, Andres Jimenez is really smooth. Don't forget how good Andres Jimenez uh, was projected to be and how good Andres Jimenez can be. Um I, I, yeah, I'd love to see him run at shortstop for a little bit and see if he can hold down that position. All right, so that's the big storyline offensively. Aaron Savali going up against Frankie Montas. Savali did not have the good stuff either. He goes four innings. He's up seven hits, six earned runs, most of those coming in that first inning, a walk, and three strikeouts on the day, including a home run given up on 82 pitches. He was hard hit six times. So what is going on with Aaron Savali here? Uh, in that first inning, gives up. It gets into a lot of trouble. Lead, lead off double to Tony Kemp. He does strike out Sheldon Noose, 
but then walks Jed Lowry, and that leads to Sean Murphy's home run. Then they would add on. Seth Brown would single. Chad Pinder would single. Billy McKinney would hit a sack fly before Elvis Andrews, Elvis Andrews finally pops out to end that threat. Uh, it was not good stuff to kick things off for Savali. Francona said that he felt like Savali did settle down after that inning and then got into a weird situation where a couple of ground balls get through. There was a moment where Jimenez and Clement don't communicate with each other. I don't know how many reps they've gotten together as the shortstop second base combo. So they both stare at each other as a ground ball goes through that. Clement probably was the guy to take. He was shading that, you know, a behind second base. Probably his ball there. I don't know if Jimenez ever gets to that, no matter if Clement's there or not. Uh, but yeah, so a couple of ground balls then through the infield. Do Savali in for a few more runs later in the game. But that first inning was pretty rough. Now, his CSW stuff, his uh, the player breakdown on him. The cutter was kind of effective for him. I mean, they swung 18 times at that cutter, five whiffs. I could say that's the only pitch he really got some swing and miss on. One whiff on a curveball, one whiff on a four-seam fastball. That's it. It's only an 18% whiff rate on the day. Uh, but he only gets three called strikes on that cutter. So it's a 29% CSW. It's a 24% CSW total on the day. And it looked like his velocity was down. If I go to Aaron Savali's uh, StatCast page here uh, and look at his 2022 pitch distribution versus his 2021 his velocity is down on the four-seam fastball. It's down on the cutter. The velocity is actually up on the curveball. Um, so, yeah. So, velocity is down on the slider as well. So, uh, he doesn't throw that often. But that's just the pitches they're showing me here. So, yeah. His velocity is down on these pitches. So, I went and I pulled up a game from last year. I was like, what is a good game from Aaron Savali? that we can compare this against. Well, against the Seattle Mariners last year, he was dominant. On June 11th, and you remember at this point, I think some of the, I know some of the starters were injured on the IL at this point, and Savali was carrying a big load. I think he was leading or tied for the lead in wins in all of baseball. So this is June 11th against the Seattle Mariners in Cleveland. He goes eight innings, gives up one hit, no runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts on 101 pitches. So, yeah, very, very dominant game. So what did that look like from Aaron Savali? Well, the cutter he threw the most, uh, 27 cutters, 27 four-seam fastballs, 25 curveballs, 12 splitters, eight two-seamers or sinkers, and only two sliders. In this game, he did throw that cutter a lot, 28 times. In the game last night, the cutter 28 times. The curveball 18 and the fastball 18, that sinker 10 times, and the splitter 8. Now, the velocity on that four-seam fastball was averaging 92. Back last year, was averaging 92, maxed out at 93. Last night, that four-seam fastball averaged 90, maxed out at 91.3. So a serious dip in velocity. That cutter uh, averaged 97.9, so basically 98, maxed out at 89, maxed out at Averaged 88, sorry, averaged 88, maxed out at 89.6. Last night, that cutter averaged 86.2 and maxed out at 87.8. So, is this an arm thing that his velo is down? Is this a lower body thing? Is the mechanics not right in the lower body? Um, you know, for some reason, his velo seems down, and that could make a significant difference to a pitcher. Um, 
he was getting a lot of swing and miss in this game. Uh, 15 sw- uh, The game last year, 15 swings on that curveball, six whiffs. It's a 40% whiff rate. On that splitter, seven swings on that splitter, five whiffs, a 71% whiff rate on that splitter. It's a 33% whiff rate total on the day. It's a 41% CSW total on the day. Uh, back into this is that great game back in 20, uh, 2021 against Seattle. Now, last night, that splitter, three swings, no whiffs, not even get a called strike on it, a 0% CSW on that splitter. After, you know, this last game last year, a 71% whiff rate. My God. So, yeah, just not getting the swing and miss uh, on a lot of his pitches. So that's a big difference. And then going over to the illustrator, um, just looking at the pitch location from that good game last year against Seattle versus what he did last night. Everything in this Seattle game is very tight to the strike zone. Everything is very tight up and down that strike zone. That curveball and that splitter are up and down that strike zone. In the game last night, it's much wider pitch distribution. The fastballs are kind of all over the place. The curveballs are just dropping below the zone. He's missing in. He's missing out with the curveball. So it's a much wider pitch distribution, not staying tight to the strike zone. Whereas when he dominated the Seattle Mariners last year, he was staying tight to the strike zone. So there is a huge significant difference for Aaron Savali. So It's going to be interesting to see how they work him through this. What is going on with the velocity for all the pitchers? Uh, And can they they make it work with Aaron Savali? They need Savali to find it again. They really do. And then the final storyline in this game was the bullpen was just fantastic. Henches comes in in relief. He goes an inning and a third, stays in to get one more strikeout. Um, That was huge from Sam Henches. He's been very, very good out of the bullpen. Uh, Eniel De Los Santos finally struggles a little bit. He shows he's human. Although, frankly, it was a slider that was outside and someone just stuck their bat out and just poked it in out into the right field corner. It wasn't a very uh, aggressive swing, but they get the job done. This is in the sixth inning here. Um, It's a triple by Sheldon Noose, an 88-mile-per-hour exit velocity. Uh, only hit a 168, uh, 168 feet into that right field corner. It's a triple that clears the bases here. So, yeah, that does suck a little bit. It looked like he had a chance to get out of it and gives up this triple into the corner. So, a little bit of human from Eniel De Los Santos. And then Trevor Steffen comes in, pitches the seventh inning, is fantastic in this seventh inning. He starts off that seventh inning with getting a ground out from Sean Murphy, then strikes out Seth Brown, strikes out Chad Pinder. Great seventh inning. And we're talking, you know, on Guardians Twitter, and we're like, all right, who's coming out for that eighth inning? You got Ghost and Sandlin sitting there. It was a lefty to lead off the inning. You know, who's coming out? Well, it turns out he just leaves Trevor Steffen in. Remember, Steffen was a former starter, so probably can go a little bit longer than some relievers. And ends up staying in there for the eighth inning and gets a ground out from Billy McKinney, Elvis Andrews to fly out, and Christian Pache to ground out. So he is solid, rock solid for two innings there. Uh, So that is huge from Trevor Steffen. I mean, proving to be a very, very reliable reliever out of the bullpen. 
Um, and that, I mean, that's huge to really put this bullpen together. Stefan, by the way, has a zero ERA on the season. Henches has a one ERA, 1.00 ERA, by the way, on the season. Yeah, Stefan is really proving to be an X factor out in that bullpen, especially with Karinchek out. Uh, Karinchek was, you know, always a little iffy, especially towards the end of last season. He's got some dominant stuff, but can he keep it under control? Uh, Stefan showing up in that middle relief, not not middle relief, late relief role, that setup role. Man, Trevor Stefan could be one of the greatest rule of five draft picks the Cleveland franchise ever makes. So he sets it up for Emmanuel Classe, who does get himself into trouble, gives up a leadoff double to Kevin Smith, but is able to come back, get a ground out from Sheldon Noose that moves the runner up to third. Then Jed Lowry with the infield pulled in. He hits that ground out to Ernie Clement at second base. Pulling the infield in seems to be working right now for the Guardians. They're getting away with it. Um, so he gets the ground out. And it just, the more this went on, the more locked in Classe got. And the more you could feel he wanted this save. He wanted this save bad. And then he attacks uh, Sean Murphy to end this game. Remember when I told you that you shouldn't show a pitcher, a batter too many pitches in the same location, right? We talked about it with Jose Ramirez at the beginning, how it leads to a home run off of him. Well, Emmanuel Classe absolutely throws four cutters in the exact same spot. Inside edge of the plate to the righty Sean Murphy and uh, right at the belt, I mean, attacks the same spot four times in a row, all over 100 miles per hour. Some of them even over 101 miles per hour, and that cutter for that right-handed hitter, you got to swing at it. You you have to. It's You know it's going to break back over the plate. You know it's got enough horizontal movement that it's going to get back over that black. So he takes the first one for a called strike. The second one is a little more inside. He lays off. The third one he has to foul off, and then finally swings through it in the exact same spot, just blows him away at 100.8 miles per hour. So Classe Definitely wanted to finish that game. So he gets the save, and the Guardians get the win. So it's a huge, huge monkey off the back, right? A huge, oh, man, take a deep breath, Guardians players. You got back in the win column. MVP for the day? Man, this is a tough one here. There's a lot of great performances. I'm going to give it to Andres Jimenez, though. Three hits on the day, including that grand slam that was just Man, they needed that, especially with two outs after your two big hitters can't get the job done and Naylor and Fermil Reyes with the bases loaded. Andres Jimenez coming up with that hit, just, I mean, huge. You can't even put into words how big that was for the team. They needed to see it was possible. They needed to see that the big hit was possible. And Andres Jimenez delivers it. So MVP for the day goes to Andres Jimenez. Believe me, it could have gone to Jose Ramirez. It could have gone to Miles Straw at the top of the order. It could have gone to Trevor Steffen out of the bullpen. So yeah, big MVP from the day from Andres Jimenez. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Oakland. It's the Guardians 9, the A's 8. We'll be back tomorrow. We've got, who do we got on the mound? It's an afternoon baseball. It's Bieber back on the mound going against Irvin. 
for the athletics. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.